Hello, this is Eric with Dungeons and Tangents. You are tuning in to one of the early episodes of this podcast, so I wanted to make sure you know the quality of these early episodes is inferior to later episodes. I recommend checking out episode 14 or later. It's around that time that we really get our process figured out. If you're listening to this early material, I hope you forgive us for our learning curve, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to Dungeons Tangents. I'm Robert. And I'm Eric. And this episode we are talking about D&D Beyond's pricing. Uh, we just had an episode about D&D Beyond and they just announced pricing for the uh, services that they will be providing. We're a little bit conflicted. I think the, the whole D&D Beyond thing is interesting from an idea standpoint, a timing standpoint with the different alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. So there's a monthly subscription. There's two tiers, right? Was it hero tier, master tier? Basically yep. for players and for DMs. Um, and then there's the one-time kind of premium pricing for books. So you can buy the PHB, you can buy all that. So the SRD, my understanding is that's the basic rules, which they have released as open gaming. Right. So anybody can take that and roll with it. It's effectively pseudo-public domain. Well, right. it's open gaming license, which means you do have to adhere to certain guidelines. So, and, and I like D&D Beyond. I think it's a great start. Uh, the, the format, the structure, you know, the, the accessibility, I think is very key. Yeah, it's a very well-built interface and system uh, in comparison with a lot of the other systems out there. Uh, unfortunately, me building on a character using my physical copy of the PHB, um, then going to use D&D Beyond to supplement my play during, you know, at the table, things like that, I hit gaps where all of a sudden for the 80%, it works great. For the 20%, I can't find out what my modifiers are for my forest known because the forest is not included. Right. Uh, But it could be included for $30 if I get the PHB. Right. Is how I'm reading into this. Um, and that's not, I, I completely understand and appreciate that that's not totally fair because I haven't fully used D&D Beyond. I'm sure there's more value there. This is very much so some knee-jerk reaction to the pricing that was just <laughs> announced. Yeah, they announced it literally 10 hours ago. Yeah. So. And there's some parallels between like Fantasy Grounds, right, with the way that they, they do their content. I'm going to break down the, the pricing. So this is how they broke it down in their announcement. They said, number one. Source books, which includes Player's Handbook, Volo's Guide to Monsters. I imagine Sword Coast Adventures would fit into that. And there are probably a number of other things that are considered source books. DMG, Monster Manual. Yeah. Those will be twenty nine ninety nine per book to buy in a digital form through D&D Beyond. So you're not getting the physical book. You're getting the digital book. The second line item is adventure modules. If you want to buy Curse of Strahd or Storm King's Thunder... From the Annihilation abyss, or something? Uh, the Tomb of Annihilation. Yes. Any of those are going to be $24.99. So, source books, $29.99. Adventure modules, $24.99. For the first week, they're doing a special uh, so that all source books will be $19.99, so $10 off. Those are the one-time fees where you buy content. It becomes part of your library on D&D Beyond. 
but it wasn't clear from what I've read yet whether you could just buy those and uh, have them in your library or if you also have to purchase the regular subscription as well. That's a good question. But um, the subscriptions are the hero level, which is you get unlimited number of characters that you can store. That is uh, $2.99 per month, which is pretty cheap. You know, it's yeah, pretty cheap. Or the master level, which is for dungeon masters, which allows you to effectively use their system as a dungeon master for $5.99 a month. You know, that's Netflix pricing, effectively, but it's Netflix pricing for something most people play when they're serious one time a week. Yeah. Like... Um, I watch a lot of Netflix. Right. <laughs> so I definitely feel like I get my value from Netflix. And you don't have to pay uh, $30 to buy a season of, of a TV show. Right. So... I have no doubt a lot of thought and conversation went to this pricing. I think you said that they went to the forums and actually what they They did actually ask. I think it's very cool. Yeah. Right? Uh, There's some parallels here with like Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds has a license to get, you know, the app for Fantasy Grounds and then you can buy content for that, modules, rules, all that. You can buy the... Uh, the ultimate edition of Fantasy Grounds or something like that where if you have it people can just hook up the, the demo clan of Fantasy Grounds and they don't have to buy a license which is nice hmm. uh, the idea being if you're a DM you don't have to uh, there's not a barrier to entry for your players to start playing with you right they don't have, they right. Don't have to drop 40, 50, 60 bucks to play with you you've already made that investment whoever you want to play can come play and you run a game it is a little steep, especially that Ultimate Lights Fantasy Grounds, but if you use it, it's a very powerful tool. It's worth it, right? And for them, there there are tiers of investment. Right. The first tier, I just want to play. Well, you can, for free, with the Open Gaming License basic, mm-hmm. basic rules. You can play the majority of what you think of as D&D. Right. You could be a barbarian, be a fighter, there are some classes that aren't exposed. If I wanted to be an elf ranger, hell yeah, I can be an elf ranger for free and have access to all that content. I'm not sure what you can get out of D&D Beyond with just the basic rules. Like, well, I know that you can create six characters. Is that what it is? That's, that's what it is right now in the beta. Uh, I suspect that's how they're going to keep it um, since they're announcing that the this is going live August 15th, mm-hmm. chances are on August 15th you'll still be able to use, uh, create six characters for free. Yeah, essentially the, the free one will be the trial one that they're going to want you to pay, pay for the recurring uh, subscription and mm-hmm. the premium stuff, and you're, you're never going to do that if you don't get to try it first, right? Yeah. So it's, it's very and smart. That, and that's, uh, I mean, for you and I, what we want, what I want out of D&D and Wizards of the Coast is for them to make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible because I want to be able to play with more people. Absolutely. Building a tool like D&D Beyond helps that. It helps in a lot of different ways. I want to be able to play with as many people as possible, right? To have that the option and that more opportunity to play. I also want to be able to play as much as possible in as many places as possible. Right. If I don't have to carry, you know, ten books with me and I have a mm. tablet 
and I don't need a bunch of space, you know, because with the screen and all that, you've got all the stuff. If I have a very small amount of real estate that I can get a bunch of high value data for that little bit of space, I can have a DMG, a PHB, one of my modules, all of that, that is a huge gain for me if I'm running the game or if I'm even playing, right? Uh, it's, it's very, very helpful. It's a very cool thing. And that's, they've got to be betting on that. As far as I know, they haven't built a system like Roll20 where you're going to log into D&D Beyond and find other players and start playing with them. Right. It's, these are all the tools you need to play in person or... There's no virtual tabletop as we talked right, about. Right, right. I would not be surprised if that's coming or if they yeah. got into an agreement with Roll20 and they, they plugged that into their system somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. which I think would be very cool. Anything that facilitates that, you know, being able to just pick up again and play, I think is, is really great. There there are some gotchas to it for me. I'm maybe not gotchas, more concerns. I want to play now, but having been playing D&D for many years, I want to be able to play 10 years from now. <laughs> if I make a bunch of purchases in this, right. you know, and it goes away in two years, what happens to you know, my books that I own. And that's always the concern when people get into digital rights management concerns. Well, yeah, but... Kindle, that was a concern of people when the the Kindle first came out. If you look at Fantasy Grounds, Fantasy Grounds is a client that sits locally. Yeah. The things that I buy are modules that load in, right? It's true. If Fantasy Grounds goes out of business tomorrow, which I hope they don't, but they do, the things that I own, I have a backup of, I can... I can you know slide them in there and I can make that work um, for a hosted solution. If, if they go away, have they thought about what that will look like? It's one of the thoughts in the back of my head that makes me not want to make a big investment in this. Right. Um, I'm more than happy to buy the books because I know those books will be there. Right. Buy a bunch of PDFs on Drive Through RPG or D&D Classics because then those are yours. They're on your yep, device. Yep. I got a backup of those and right. I know they'll be there. Right. Um, if the lights turn out, get turned off on D&D Beyond next month, what happened to all the things that I bought, Which, right? unfortunately, uh, Wizards does not have a very good history with this. Uh, it does feel like I've, I've been to this dance before. Yeah. Right. Both 4th edition and 3rd edition had digital tools that were provided effectively for free. Yeah. And they are no longer. Yeah, and so and Wizards has done a, a disappointing job, but also a great job, depending on what example you look at. You look at the Wizards 3rd Edition archive pages, and I think I sent you a copy of this. Yeah. They have this web tool for the Forgotten Realms Fair and Calendar. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it runs on probably JavaScript and all that. But they, they bundled up into zip files, and here you go. You just open up in the browser. It's going to have a configuration file. It's going to have a data file. Here's how to, to mess it if you want to. But if you want to, you can actually run it locally. It was hosted on their website for a long time, but you can run it locally if you want to. I believe I heard or read somewhere that a lot of those tools were fan-made things that, that the fans sent in. I don't doubt it for a second. And Wizards was like, great, we'll just make these available to everybody, which is cool. That is very much in the D&D spirit, sort of. Everybody can contribute. Right. They're open to that. They've made some statement about homebrew content in D&D Beyond. In fact, they've made a number of statements about Mm -hmm. how homebrew will be integrated. But homebrew is content, not tools. Homebrew is even more concerning to me than my purchases. 
How so? Because if I spend $200 on books yeah, and that goes away, that sucks. But honestly, I can get another $200. True. Right? If I spend two weeks or two months coming up with a bunch of homebrew stuff and sitting there and put it, input it into their system and it just goes away, I mean, that's a lot of work that I put into that, right? And it's also um, in a proprietary format. It's like I'm putting them into PDFs that I can use later yeah. or I'm putting them into XML that I could you know, load into a different app or something like that. I haven't, I haven't seen yet what exactly their interface is for... Yeah. creating homebrew content. That's I, a they, good point. They had some, I think they already have some homebrew uh, like builder elements for items and monsters, but that's you know basic just like s- some stats on a monster and some uh, stats on, a, on items. That's not a lot, but building a, like a campaign, yeah. that's going to be a little more uh, in-depth and if, if it's a campaign that has pictures of all the NPCs and maps. Now, it could then, be yeah. an open format that you could use somewhere else. It could be that you import in Maybe. a markup language for wiki, and then you're, but you could push that to any other, you know, stood up wiki instance yeah. and, and have it up for you, right? Like Obsidian Portal uh, lets you, uh, I think, export. I don't think they let you import yet, but they let you export your stuff oh, they do. from there. So if you spend a bunch of time putting your campaign in Obsidian Portal, you can press a button and export that. Okay. It's going to push it out to, I think, XML, and it's not going to look super pretty, but you could leverage that content something else. You might want to tweak I'm, some of the settings to get it I'm to I'm suspicious. <laughs> I'm suspicious of whether or not... Theme. Yeah, that, that is a theme here. Let's, I'm going to try to look on the bright side of this. Okay. Let's be positive. Let's, let's try to be positive. They are the owners of D&D. Yep. So they have every reason to get this right and get it really well done so that I think they want to corner the market on, maybe not corner the market, but they want to be the first stop that people go to when they think, I want to play D&D online. Pricing-wise, they're equivalent to the other yep. avenues to play, on, play D&D online. They have a serious advantage in that uh, I'm a big fan of Roll20. I'm a big fan of, of Fantasy Grounds, right? I'm going to see content on Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds at best case scenario months after Wizards release it. Right. So, But they could get things straight into D&D Beyond, right? Yep. Uh, which would be great. Because I, I have to sit there and struggle. Do I want to buy Curse of Stride when it comes out at my little game store? Do I want to wait four months for it to get released in digital format on my preferred uh, avenue of play? So that I can use it then, right? Or am I going to get hit up with that decision of I'm going to buy it in a store and then buy it again because then it got released on Roll20 <laughs> or Fantasy Grounds, right? Well, I know what my answer is. But I, I'm, I'm a Luddite. got a degree in computer science, but I'm a Luddite. I'm going to buy the book, the physical book. I'm probably going to go to my local game store because I want to support them. Mm-hmm. I want them to be around in two, three years when I want to buy minis. Right. So I'm going to go to them and give them the extra like $20 that I would save if I went and bought it on Amazon. And then I'll get that $20 back in um, shipping costs for minis later. <laughs> um, most probably I'm going to buy the book and then I'm going to buy it when it comes out four months later. Because I want to be able okay. to, if I'm going to run something, I want to run it on a tablet behind the screen. I want to be able to minimize my footprint as much as possible. Usually you have a very limited amount of space. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to search it. 
I well, that that is huge. Huge thing for me. That is huge. Uh, and I think I force myself when I'm a DM to be. I try to come up with different ways of managing all the information that I have to have. I think that paper is as functional as anything. There is nothing you can do in a computer that you can't do on paper. So I'm always thinking, can I organize this data, this information about this campaign on uh, a sheet of paper? And so it's weird, but... <laughs> I widely disagree. Um, because I, if I write something down, if I write them 20 pieces of paper, first of all, I hate writing. <laughs> but then if I want a copy of it, I, you know, well, I do a photocopy. Um, if something happens, my house burns down or something, it's gone. Like knowing that I can just take this, back it up and then, you know, search it, print it back out. For me, when I have written something down, mm -hmm. the, the way that it's written, the fact that it's imperfect actually is a key into my mind that will unlock what I was thinking when I wrote it. And that helps me as a DM to be able to look down and I, I wrote down a, a character's name and the way that I wrote it and maybe I like wrote over it once and scribbled some notes next to it, that's gonna be a key to that character. If I just see a description on a screen, it does, it's not gonna be the same sort of key to me. And that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> But it's the same. Press a button, have it print out. Okay. I'm done. Yeah. And type. I can type fast. I I I write very slow. Yeah. Um, I. All of this being said, our last session of D and D, I had D and D Beyond open up. Oh, so did I. And Absolutely. I was looking up spells on that and, and nowhere else. And I complained about it, like my forest gnome. Yeah. It bugs the shit out of me. But, <laughs> but you know why it bugs the shit out of me? Because I use it. Right. If I right. never used it, I wouldn't care what was missing right. or not. But it's just one, it's like one attribute modifier. Yeah, it's not a big deal. It bugs me of... because I want to use it. Yeah. It's a good product. It's easy to use. I want to use it. Oh, right. And you want to be able to build your character in it yeah. and have your character sitting there and have it be an actual forest gnome, not a rock gnome or a deep right. gnome. But it, I think it's an important thing to just kind of call it that if it was crap, I wouldn't That's care what was missing. That's true. Because I would never use it, right? I it bothers me that it's missing because I really enjoy using it, you know. And I want to be I want to be able to use it to its full potential. Uh, and it's obvious that I'm going to have to make an investment for that to happen, and I'm going to be doing that. Um, but uh, I don't know. We're going to vent a little bit <laughs> before we do that. But most likely, we're going we're going to come around and, and, and make that investment. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I am such a great. penny pincher. Um, I think the, the the big thing will be how well they handle it in the future. Mm -hmm. Typically, once a new edition has come out, you kind of sunsetted the old edition. Going forward, if it's something that can evolve with the editions and like my homebrew content that's put in there, I can move forward with any new things that come out. If they, if they do it in a way that consciously accommodates that plan so that, you know, has that in mind when they move forward and it's not a new product, a new product, a new product. It's an evolution of that product that mm. builds off that functionality. Um, that would be very strong. Very strong. And I, I would feel taken care of instead of kind of kind of abandoned when right. I put a bunch of work and money into something and then that, that something just kind of goes away. And the other thing that if they do it right will pay off for them is if they are good about getting 
their paper content and their D&D Beyond content synced up. Yep. Then they're going to beat out the competition, their, the competition they created of Roll20 right. and Fantasy Grounds, and people are going to flock to them. And, and that being said, I will say nothing is ever going to beat me going to my bookshelf or a storage unit, point out a 20-year-old book, opening it up, <laughs> hearing the spine crack, and just that that book smell and that that kind of hissing sound of the pick of like pushing the pages across and just oh that's that's the best um i'm i'm and i I love the digital solutions um and they supplement the gaming but and and it's and i i really like them when i'm gaming but when i'm pulling up a character or something basically when i'm alone and i'm not i don't have to worry about how much space i'm taking up i love a book yeah just sitting there with a book as a DM, I love the process of taking thoughts and putting them on paper, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a map or a description of something. I, I do use Evernote a lot, but I just need very raw tools to build a campaign um, and to translate a campaign that exists into what I'm going to do in the gaming session. So I'm skeptical of my personal use of this tool. I'm hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that is it for this episode. I'm skeptical, and uh, he's optimistic. I'm hopeful. <laughs> Sorry, hopeful. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Next episode, we're joined by Chris Rutledge and talk about tools you can use to generate characters for various role-playing games. If you enjoy Dungeons & Tangents, please let us know by rating us on iTunes. You can also let us know by finding us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent and sending us a funny picture. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.